This week's episode, we're going to be exploring the themes of Muppet Babies through Season 7, Episode 11, Gonzi's Playhouse Channel. Oh, boy. (laughs) Welcome to Amazingly Terrible, the podcast where we look back on the cartoons that made us the way we are. True that, yo. I, I thought there was I thought there was going to be a terrible twist to that opening line. Uh, oh, have you seen us? <laughs> no, this this is no, the, you the seen the way audience. we are. This this is an audio medium. So uh, the idea is like we we get people hooked for a very long time before we show our faces, and then by the time they see us, they're like, oh, right, okay. The, the, by that point, they're like, it's I could it's, I could forgive that hideousness because right. they make me laugh well, i'm so used to this that it, this isn't really bothering me you know like our wives uh that sounds so a lot worse than the way week. i meant it <laughs> <laughs> i meant that our wives got used to the way we look i'm oh, i just want to okay. get it out there gotcha gotcha especially they, david's they, wife that makes more sense it makes more sense so uh, i just want to say the guys that uh, i've got a goner for this episode which is a boner for gonzo well, everybody has a boner for Gonzo. Is it because of the shape of his nose? I think it is. Same that... for the thirty thirty segment. Come on. <laughs> yeah, because that that thing. I mean, flipped upside down, he could hit your G spot. Save it. Sa- sa- save all of the sexual tension for the thirty thirty <laughs> segment. Like Look, we, we all... need it to be like dripping. All I need to. All I'm going to say is I want a sixty nine <laughs> Gonzo. <laughs> Uh, all right. How was everybody's week? Uh, pretty good. I, I got to do a screaming match with a homeless guy this morning. but Nice. You know, that's kind of normal. Mm-hmm. As long as so, you won. Yeah, yeah. I did wind up winning. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, yeah, it, was, it was a very weird time. I'm usually really good with uh, our transient population. Like, I'm usually, like, pretty good buds with quite a few folks. This was <laughs> yeah, a new yeah. guy I'd never seen yeah. before. And, like, he, he just... Was not having it. So, one thing I've always De- said about you, Adam, is you're cool. You're you're down with the people. The well, I'm down with people. The, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um. Wait, wait. Should we actually do like an introduction? Because these people don't even know who we are. Right? Oh shit. Uh, I'm Matt, and apparently I have nothing better to do with my life. Oh, don't say it like that. This is supposed to be fun times. We're having fun. Remember. We're we're having fun. <laughs> yeah, we've we've monetized our fun. Hello, my name's Adam. You fill in the blank. I am whatever you want me to be, honey. David, uh, hey. give give us give us some sugar, baby. I'm David. I don't really know what to say because I don't want to. I should have something to say. I just don't. I I I can't I can't get it up for this episode. You don't have a you don't have a goner. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. This is very funny to no one but us. <laughs> well, it's funny if it goes on for like a half an hour. This That's, is the whole podcast. Yes, uh, the the podcast that wears you down with its humor. Okay, so should we start the introduction over? Yeah. <laughs> I will say I think this may be the most topical episode we've done. Interesting. 
Expand okay. on that a little. Well, okay. it's uh, about Pee Wee Herman a bit. Is it that's topical because of his return to fame? Well, this week, you know, just the news with Jeffrey Tubin of the New Yorker and uh, oh yeah, Rudy yeah. Giuliani's Borat scene. But honestly, like it's 2020. How many sexual scandals are we? I mean, we're kind of s- steeped in sexual scandals nowadays. But you are right in the sense that it is like two men playing with themselves essentially. The show is no Rudy Giuliani and was it Mark Tubin? Oh, uh, was Tubin. he? Was he the From guy CNN. who was jerking off on the Zoom call? Yeah, yeah. His name was Mark Tubin. Was it Mark? Je- I know Jeffrey. it was Tubin. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Tubin. Jeffrey Tubin. Well, um, I mean, the jokes I are just know. laying on the ground here, guys. Um, just like your Jeffrey Tubin. Mm, like if if I was Jeffrey, I'd be Tubin too. If uh, I had a Jeffrey, I'd be tubing it. Isn't the Jeffrey tubes where they go in Star Trek? <laughs> like, aren't they always climbing all? They're always getting up into Jeffrey's tubing. <laughs> the Jeffrey's tube. Yeah. Mm. Yep. That's that's where all the conduits. Yeah. Through. That's where all the electricity goes. Yep. Uh, yeah. I'd let Worf up in my Jeffrey's tube. Do Wait you a think- Does that mean I'd be really into sounding? Do, Am I the <laughs> Do you think that's like where the Star Trek crew go to jerk it in the Jeffries Tubin? No, they do that on the holodeck. What are you, you think about? they? Yeah, well, <laughs> and that's the whole point of the holodeck is just jerk it and then to fight turtle monsters. My question is, who's the like idiot who goes into the holodeck and he's like black light mode? It's just, it's just horrible, horrible in there as the black light turns on. It's like, there's no lines anymore. It's not a grid at all anymore. It's just white, just, just stark white. Yeah, <laughs> it's like even on the ceiling. So it's not completely on the ceiling. It's just like splatter oh, marks on the ceiling. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but but wasn't isn't the uh, weren't those starships supposed to be like self cleaning? Wasn't it supposed to be like a like they had some sort of like? Wait, have you not been watching Lower Decks? computer cleanings i have been watching lower decks i have been i have been and and i do know that they have them cleaning that stuff up but (laughs) in in the actual schematics that they had in like the show bibles for uh the enterprise it was self-cleaning like the yeah that's what those schematics say i mean basically what we're what we're learning is uh whoever the uh indentured slave labor at that time period they just call self-cleaning quote-unquote the cleaning staff is just this, uh, you know, enslaved sub race that they uh, they bill or they get credited as self cleaning. No one, no I'm, one sees them. If you know what I mean. Trying to trying to remember if there was like a specific race that would fit into that in the Star Trek oeuvre, but I think that um, I can't really think of any. You know, if you could exocomps, if, maybe if you could if you could the monetize tribbles, uh huh, like. Tribbles would be a fairly good self-cleaning system. Because they just They're would just... expand until everything destroyed was destroyed around them? Well, I assume that like if it's self-cleaning, like they would expand as they cleaned through the room. They're basically like little fucking mops, right? Yeah, I guess that's true. But yeah. they have to defecate sometime too, so... I'm picturing... Well, the ones behind them would clear the, clean those up. I'm picturing like um, the scrubbing bubbles, but with Tribbles... See, I'm picturing uh, when you put your baby in like a mop chamois and just let him crawl around on the ground. I have not tried that yet. You haven't? Hey, you haven't seen that? It's actually no. a thing. Yeah. I I've put on the Roomba, 
uh, and let her roll around with a kitchen knife in her hand just to see if, you know, I can train her to be a, a combat baby. That's, that's, I mean, that's just good parenting. I mean, there's no, no other way to put that. So. I don't really think of it as parenting so much as it's just essential life skills. Okay, so let's talk more about Star Trek. So it's not self-cleaning. Mm. You think that it's like a sub-race. Did you know that the Enterprise I, actually had an entire deck dedicated to cetacean research? And that they actually had Starfleet officers that were dolphins? D- is that where the entire show Sequest came from? I, I have to assume so, actually. Wait, so they, they had a crew that was entirely dolphins. On Sequest? No, no, on Star, on Star Trek. Is no, your... they they had crew members that were dolphins. It wasn't entirely dolphins, but there was a deck, like a, a whole deck on the Enterprise that was cetacean research, and that was where their dolphin scientists basically did their research. I have know, to admit, I, I don't know what cetacean means. Oh, it's it's um like dolphins, it, whales. It's like They're, canine. Yeah, it, it's a, a okay. genus. Is it is it a genus or is it a family? You know what? It's, you're a you're a genus. Hey, now that's you're, that's our, you're an all star. That's that's just my my animal training bleeding through here. So, so uh, it's interesting. It's interesting because uh, I know at, I know David that you're a fan of like the Uplift uh, trilogy mm-hmm. about um, about humans genetically engineering dolphins to be. Uh, hyper intelligent and eventually uh, spacefaring, the same as humans are. Right. Um, do you think they got like how contemporary would that would that writing would those books be with Star Trek? And is this original Star Trek or are we talking TNG? TNG. It's mm. it's just it would it would have been so expensive for them to actually show that on the show that they never actually went to the Cetacean deck. So yeah, you only and, mentioned it like twice. Yeah. What was yeah the, yeah they they do mention it though they do say I'm going down to cetacean research or this person's on the cetacean deck or something like that. There was a sequel to I think it was um, there's a sequel to uh, 2001 Space Odyssey that was like 2010 and it starred the captain of the Sequest. I forget the name of the movie, um, but in that movie, Rob he, Schneider. Yeah, Rob, Rob. Sh- it was Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in that movie, he, like, lives with a dolphin. Um, his house just has, like, a, an open atrium in the middle of it. And in that pool, there is just a dolphin that he lives with. Cool. Hmm. Which makes sense is, I'm sorry, Roy Schneider. R- Roy Scheider, not <laughs> Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider is no, the no. SNL. No, 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 no. I agree. It was Rob Schneider. No, he, it's, it was Roy. He was captain of the... Roy Scheider. Was he captain was captain of, of the underwater Star Trek. He was the captain of the Sequest. He also was the pilot of Airwolf before it became Blue Thunder. No, he was the pilot of Blue Thunder before that became Airwolf. Mm. Yeah. Good to know. Well, I, I would just, my go-to for him is Jaws, but... <laughs> how dare you have relevant references that's how disgusting. dare you remember somebody is relevant work what <laughs> uh jaws is a cultural well, classic i you yeah, know what i have to did, be honest we did just have shark week so mm. back in july did we even have that this year <laughs> yeah this October? year was so bad we didn't even have shark week 
This year was so bad. Shark Week happened in October, bitches. This this week was so bad. Every week was Shark Week. God, who's gonna listen to this garbage? I mean, us. Yeah, it's made it's made for its specific audience by its specific but audience. It, it's it's by us for us only us. And this podcast maybe... is designed for forty year old men who are me. <laughs> uh, yeah, nuts and gum. Nuts and gum. Let's move on. Okay. So, <laughs> we did... Wait, we were talking about how we felt about this. So, we got on this tangent talking about how we felt about this podcast. Or felt about this episode. It has not aged well. Okay. <laughs> That's what I think. What do you, David, you think it's topical. And do you mean that... You mean it, like, should be applied to the skin? Not the... Oh, I'm, I was saying, like, more than... The other episode we watched. Uh, let's get into yeah. the uh, opening song. Let's do it. Babies, make your dreams come true. Now, I maintain, I swear to God, that this is a, an existing song that they've written new crummy lyrics for. Oh, no, and no, I, no, no. It is. It's from Greece. This is actually a song from Greece. That's what I thought, but I couldn't for the life of me. It's such like a it's such no, a, I, a classic oldie that I couldn't put yeah. a name to it. It's like permeated my consciousness. That, that's the reason why when I, when I was singing it earlier to David, I was saying... Muppet babies, dooba 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 da dooba da, because I think that the actual, the actual song has scatting in that section. There yes, are actual it, lyrics. it has it has dooba da dooba in it. Yeah. Um, and uh, do they talk a lot about greased lightning and how it's a <clears throat> quote unquote pussy magnet? I don't think so. Um, I do not think that that is in. Muppet Babies. Muppet Muppet Babies version, nor do I think that was in the 1950s parody written in the 1970s. The, you, the retro throwback to Appeal to Boomers? Yeah, exactly. Um, are you just saying that because Tracy Lords was in? No, Tracy Lords was in Crybaby. She wasn't in. <laughs> oh, holy crap. Did you Do you think that confusing pop culture references is a subgenre? Like, instead of actual pop culture references, just the wrong reference constantly, is that our genre? Well, if it was a genre, it would be our genre. It's yeah. true. We were, uh, we're forging a new road. Um, it's, I mean, like, it's a good song, like, uh, the opening theme, because it's like a classic uh, oldies kind of uh, song, or at least it, I'm associated with that in my mind. I think it sounds a little like we go together from Greece, but it also bop, sounds bop, like parts of the Happy Days theme song. I mean, there it's all like a retro boomer throwback garbage. Next topic: Why do we give children illusions about Santa, etc., on Christmas instead of telling them that you get your loved ones a gift? This is not the read the Reddit podcast. That's oh, a different I think it podcast. might become that. Uh, anyway. <laughs> They wrote new lyrics for an old song and then like gave one of their buddies like the the uh, songwriting credit so he could just collect checks. But Maybe. overall, if you think about this show, wouldn't it be like a legal nightmare? 
or did you think they cleared everything? This is the question that I had. I thought I would hope that we'd get into this topic because they they have a lot of property from some highly litigious companies, and like Jim Henson, known for suing Jim. Jim, I'll sue the death (laughs) out of you, Henson. Like um, uh, Lucas Arts. Yeah, Jim, uh, you're about to end a labyrinth of lawsuits, Henson. Like Disney. Jim, uh, I'm going to make you into my into a puppet legally, Hemson. I mean, I I do not recall the um, the full series. I did watch this a lot when I was a kid, so I did see a lot of these episodes. But I I do not recall all of the IP in it. But I do know there there is Star Wars pops mm-hmm. up all the time. Um, there's a, a fair no, there, there's Star Trek in there too. I think I, I recall seeing like Fonzie dressed up like Worf. Um, there's like a, a ton of other pieces of IP that are that are kind of like crammed in here. So I I was trying to figure out who the fuck owned Jim Henson Arts by the time, or Jim Henson Films, I guess rather. Jim by the Henson time Arts. They were actually, when they were making this program, and if and if if it was owned by Disney or if it was owned by one of these other companies that typically is highly litigious. This is pre-Disney purchase of Muppets. Yeah, this this is this is pre-purchase. Yeah, this is yeah. this is Jim Henson Films. This is just Jim Henson. Yeah, the Muppets were invented in 1955. I didn't know that they were that old. Oh, I didn't know they were that old either. Yeah, Jim Henson was that old. I thought he died really young. Uh, no, Jim Henson, um, he died of a coke overdose. What? Yeah. Seriously? No. <laughs> Fuck you, man. He died of pneumonia, you asshole. Yeah, brought on from a coke overdose. Classic. Oh, gotcha. He knew it was the end, and he's like, I, I'm i going to pick like, how I go out. Fuck it. I'm going to drink all of this new coke all at once. <laughs> fuck you, Bill Cosby. I'm going to do so many lines. Um, Yeah. Untrue story. Should that be a segment that we have? <laughs> It's 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 untrue story. Well, I, I think it better be. It's the kind of segment that you only know you're in after you're in it. It's a post segment. <laughs> Can't believe he said he died of a coke overdose. It's like saying that Mister Rogers died in an orgy. He did. Did he? Yeah, he got he, he got orgiitis. <laughs> <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> that's the dumbest joke I've ever made. God, it's horrible. Uh, uh, um, um. Anyway, well, well, my real question is: was, was all of that fake, or um, like, did were the Muppets around in 1955? Yes, apparently. They yeah, they they started as like a bit on another TV show, um, <laughs> really with mostly with Kermit. <laughs> And then, like, I didn't know this, but they, like, kind of stayed alive doing, like, advertising and being on other shows and doing, like, late night interview circuit. Because originally Kermit was a, a, invented for adults. And then eventually it was developed into a show. Gotcha. Gotcha. Let's go back to the uh, lyrics of the intro song. Okay. What do you want to talk because, about? Because, yeah, uh, yeah. Adam, you had some concerns that the Muppets are going to do the same to you. Yeah, so it's it's Muppet Babies. So so the entire lyrics, it's a doo-wop song. 
Starts off with, Muppet Babies, we make our dreams come true. Hmm. Muppet Babies will do the same to you. <laughs> Which leads me to believe that they are going to attack individuals using their dream powers, or it's a sexual thing. And of course, <laughs> you know, it's a sexual thing, because... At this point, it would be more interesting if it was dream powers. Yeah. Um, so it's like they're, they're threatening to they're threatening you with a good time, basically. Okay. All right. I really picked up on the lyric, uh, when your room looks kind of weird and you wish that you weren't there. I don't think mm. they're ever out of the one room for the entire series. That sounds I don't like, think they are either. That sounds like the songwriter's suicide note. I, I do think that this is a television program about imprisonment. It's about um, detaining creatures oh, yeah. against their will. And and we do see a lot of odd behaviors popping up in these creatures due to the fact that they're in such an enclosed space without proper enrichment. I have two thoughts. Like, this is the Shawshank Redemption of the Muppets universe. Like, uh, they're going crazy uh, inside this... Uh, prison-like atmosphere, and they're turning on each other, but they've decided to turn on each other in the form of um, horrible imaginings and group delusions. Okay, so who is Red? The Morgan mm. Freeman character. Ooh. Well, it's the narrator, right? Who can get your stuff? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's a guy that can get you stuff. Uh, he's the narrator, so I guess in this one it's um, the pothead Ske- dog. Skeeter. The pothead dog, Rolf. Yeah, Rolf. Okay. Uh, the pothead dog. Because he, he serves as like the transitioner between all the different shows on the network or the channel. Hmm. Then who would be Andrew Dufresne? Mm, Kermit or Gonzo? Andy Dufresne. Andy Dufresne. Wait, who, are the, who are the sisters? Ooh. Um, the Ooh. sisters have definitely got to be Miss Piggy because she is thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> Not animal? Not animal. Animal's just having a good time. Well, so were the sisters. Typically, you would think that Animal would be the one, because uh, he's he's chasing ladies around in the, the adult version of the Muppets. Mm-hmm. But uh, in this one, he, he seemed to be relatively tame, comparatively. Mike, also, like, who's the warden, that, that obtuse character of the warden? So obtuse. Wouldn't it be Gran? Or Nanny, rather? N- Nana? I mean, yeah, I guess. We don't even see Nanny in this episode. I think doesn't she come in at some point? I thought that we nope. did see her. Not this, no. not this. Time. No, no nanny. We're, really, we are okay. beyond the looking glass into the sans nanny territory. I thought she came. I thought she made a cameo and like talked about them using the video camera or something. No, but they well, mentioned that it belongs to to nanny, but gotcha. Well, that's how she keeps control is by uh, only showing up periodically and very suddenly. Makes it seem like she's always there, even when she's not, and she clo- she clearly leaves them alone for long stretches of time. That's why they have all of these lunch bags. Mm. It, uh, oh, yeah. It implies that uh, she's leaving like lunches for them. My question is, um, is this a daycare or has one horrible couple birthed thousands of animal-human hybrid puppets? Well, you know, the reason we don't see... Uh, anything other than Nanny's feet is because above the waist, 
She's a Lovecraftian nightmare of interlocking penises and vaginas. <laughs> well played, David. <laughs> Nanny Echidna is both mother and father to all of the Muppetings. <laughs> See, that's gross because if um, if Kermit and Miss Piggy are brother and sister, they fuck later. Think about that. Think about oh. a horrible Lovecraftian monster birthing two incest babies who are a pig and a, and a uh, frog. Yeah. Do they fuck, though? I always thought the, I always thought the relationship was relatively chaste, but... I'd like to tell you that Kermit fought the good fight and that Piggy <laughs> left him alone. <laughs> but Muppy Babies isn't any fairy tale kingdom. Yeah. But daycare is no fairy tale kingdom. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, <laughs> Darkness. Um... Shall we uh, jump on into the summary, or uh, is that okay, David? Okay, I think we. I think you just uh, blew my dirty thirty line, but uh... oh, oh, I'm sorry. I... Oh no. <laughs> oh, the the Lovecraftian. Yeah, but it's better to work in organically. I think. Yeah, that's what she said. Oh yeah, you gotta oh. e- you gotta ease it in. So, scene one: paper bag puppets. Yes. From all of these lunches that they've been left. Well, we got two paper bag puppets and we got one sock puppet. All of these hand puppets are on the hands of 2D characters that have been animated mm. that are based on 3D puppets that are also hand puppets creating a Inception-like circle. Yeah. It is very bizarre. I, I was thinking <laughs> the same thing. It was just bizarre that get puppets turn animation playing with puppets that are animation and then we wind up getting into stop motion pretty soon i feel like when they're doing like uh the puppets playing with puppets the writers thought they were just being so clever you know that this was like some sort of meta commentary they thought they they'd reached a another level i can see that who is the sock puppet i assume it's gonzo because of the nose but it's never clear they never actually say, and he's kind of rude. He's rude, crude, and has attitude. He, so he, I'm going to have to assume he's Raphael he, from Ninja Turtles. He, Gonzo mm. is a bit more aggressive this episode. He is. He is. He, is. Uh, he also seems to have like the most agency of, of most of the puppets. Everyone else is just reacting to Gonzo's impetus. That's true. He is the one that kind of kicks it all off, isn't he? Sure. Yeah, it's, he does. it's almost like his imagination is infecting everybody else's imagination, causing them to hallucinate all of these events that lead up to the major singular hallucination. Yeah, do you think Gonzo dosed them? Ooh. Mm. That would be interesting if this is some sort of like weird MK Ultra gone wrong experiment <laughs> with all these like baby animals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the children, we, we, we understand that they're prisoners who indulge in drug-induced play-acting in a kind of po- cooperative pipe dream, or that the whole show takes place in, like, a metascape that's, like, simultaneously the nursery and also uh, uh, the realm of their imagination. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Scene two. Cupcake slash sculpture assembly. Yes. Piggy and animal. Animal is clearly making 
small figures out of Play-Doh. And Piggy is making cupcakes, and I am assuming also out of Play-Doh. Yes, because otherwise she'd be eating them. Because she does say, ooh, cupcake. And then she says something along the lines of, these look so delicious, they're making me hungry. Mm. And you'd think that if she were hungry, she would just be eating them. Because uh, Miss Piggy doesn't really show a lot of self-control This is the this f- episode. Yeah, this is the first of many times and we come up against the fact that Miss Piggy is a terrible character and is a horrible stereotype of um, women uh, in a really disgusting and tragic way. Well, I, I think we skipped over the part in the opening theme song where each of the characters sings their one dimension. Yes, right. Well, they, they sing their one dimension in the sense of they describe their favorite genre of film. And uh, Miss Piggy's is romance. Uh, Cumber the Frog's adventure. Um, Scooter's is his computer. <laughs> um, Which is both romance and adventure. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we know that that uh, miss piggy prefers romance over any other genre and yet in this show we uh discover what she really cares about is food and fame we also see our first bit of uh mixed media in this uh in this beautiful tapestry of an episode yeah they cut to claymation yeah of animals things eating Piggies, cupcakes. My question is, do you think that they already had this claymation and they wrote the episode around, like, let's include this weird scene? See, that's that's what I wanted to know. If this was actually just something that they ripped off from Pee-wee's Playhouse. Like, because Pee-wee's Playhouse had this shifting between different uh, formats constantly. And I didn't know if, if this was actually directly taken from Pee-wee's Playhouse, and then they drew, they animated the scene with Miss Piggy and Animal around that. I don't, I don't think so. Uh, There was a, I mean, I think this show overall had a lot of, like, found footage and um, weird uh, other media in it, and certainly that time period, uh, there was a lot of that happening. Like, it's strongly postmodern. Um and so, like, all the the smart cartoons and smart shows of that time were doing that kind of thing. Just sort of reusing what they had, like, around. <clears throat> no, just, like, mixing uh, media and genre and uh, different artifacts to create the the show. In this show, to spectacularly bad effect. Yeah, but, but so you don't think that they pulled that directly from Pee-wee's Playhouse? You think that it was something that they made in-house? Yes, I think they own. I, I guess I think they owned the rights to the declamation. I don't think it would specifically be from Pee Wee's Playhouse, but I am intrigued. It might be something that they already had, because this whole show just has a very ADD feel of yeah. moving from one thing to another, and it seems like yeah. they keep it pretty loose and be able to adapt to things like that. Like they had just some guy, they had some guy in the basement and they were like, dude, just make weird claymation shit and we'll find a way to work it in or we won't. And they just like had this guy down there like making bananas dancing and uh, monsters eating cupcakes and stuff. And they're like, uh, right around it. So this is like the, uh, the hundred monkeys on a hundred typewriters thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> we'll produce something good that they could use in the show. I can't imagine how many thousands of monkeys do you need to create stop motion stop motion animation. <laughs> just millions and millions of monkeys. You're just pumping monkeys into this basement for years. Pumping monkeys and they just throw monkey after monkey. <laughs> Thousands of dead monkeys falling out the windows to get five seconds of animation. <laughs> and you finally get the animation back and you're like, look at that. There's a monkey hand right in the middle of the shot. It's perfect except for this one monkey hand. Start send over. In, <laughs> send in more monkeys. <laughs> I really love that there's one monkey who knows to hit the button to take the picture? <laughs> uh, there, here's the thing. There isn't one monkey. It's all chance. That's why you need millions of fucking monkeys. Honestly, they like, put them in there. They you... didn't even have. They didn't even have Play-Doh. They didn't have a camera. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. They, just... <laughs> the monkeys have like mind for raw materials in order to create a camera. So what the fuck is this building? <laughs> I don't know, but I, I, I gotta see that basement now. It's like it's nothing but monkey bones. You, I mean, <laughs> the floors have got to be like just open slits so that when monkeys die and decompose, the bones just fall through to the bottom. <laughs> nothing, nothing but monkey bones is like my new band name. <laughs> as long as you get Brendan Fraser to be the drummer. Yeah, exactly. Ask. Nothing but monkey bones. Um, so I have a quick question. Did we just discover our existence? Are we the millions and millions of monkeys shoved in a room to make entertainment for some other higher wow. level species? Wow, it really makes you think, doesn't it? And this is what they got. Our shitty podcast about cartoons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll You're welcome, te- Alien Overlords. Yeah. We always win against the aliens. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're going to infect you with our podcast. It's going to drive you insane. Yeah. Or uh, just force you to watch YouTube videos until you die. Really bad YouTube videos. I think that that, that might have been one of the things that was that was causing my dislike for this, which is oh. how, how poorly this video was adapted to the internet. Like the fact that it looks like somebody basically recorded it on VHS off the TV like off of a broadcast station channel. Yeah. And then converted it into a, uh, like, MP3 file and put it on YouTube. I don't know if Sorry. it was the quality MP4, of the... MP4 file. I, I don't know if it was the quality of the uh, the video or if the show was just like this, but the, the voices were so annoying. And, and borderline, like, I had to go back and, like, try to turn on subtitles to understand what the fuck they were saying. Or, mm. or was this just this is acceptable anime at that time. Like, this was... Going back to the Thundar thing, was this actually considered good animation? Because animation was just no. so shitty back then. <laughs> I remember liking it when I was a little kid. Yeah, I liked this a lot when I was a kid, too. Yeah, I also watched this as a kid. Ha <laughs> uh, Now it comes out. Got the triple threat. Got the trifecta Which, here. Did we skip over that? We are not. We usually, I think we, I think we used to do that at the end. We can touch it at the, the end. Um, so, what's our what's our scene three? Scene three is scene three. Gonzo Gonzi right. TV. Yeah, the Skeeter is the camera operator. Right. So, this is this is when I remembered Skeeter. Mm. She was totally a part of the show from from jump from the very first. 
mm-hmm. and I used to really like her character, and I was super confused ha- that she was really not like it? in any of the other Muppet properties. Well, I mean, I thought she was cool. Like, she was like the cool kid I'd hang out with. Mm. Not you, but her. <laughs> I know. I'm the <laughs> actual kid that you hang out with. <laughs> but no, uh, I, th- I thought I like actually really liked her character when I was a kid, and she doesn't exist in any other Jim Henson property. It was if just gonna, for this. Was Scooter also? Was Skeeter just the female Scooter? Because I feel like Scooter yeah. did exist somewhere else. Skeeter is the female Scooter, and Scooter is like the stage manager for the Muppets. Yeah. Okay. But, but this is a kid's show, and they needed both types of female characters. Girly girl and boyish girl. <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah. They needed the tomboy, and they needed the... Well, they the, did uh, need lipstick. more female characters, that's for damn sure. They got three. Name them. <laughs> Skeeter, Miss Piggy, Nanny. <laughs> <laughs> if we're going to get into that, we also see Bean, the bunny, yeah. who is yeah. not a Muppet. Yeah. In the opening credits, we see Bunsen and Beaker. But in the episode, yep, we, do. we get Harry from Meet the Feebles. Do we? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's Bean. Yeah, yeah. Bean the Bunny. Oh, well, that's from... I, I did look it up real quick, and it, it does say that Bean the Bunny was a specific Muppet that came up in a particular show. But he wasn't yeah. like the one of the core Muppets. He yeah. wasn't like one of the main cast. He was only invented so. like a year or two before this show. And they were like really pushing him. And he's basically like the uh, optimistic uh, y- younger guy. So uh, sort of mm-hmm. like the butters of the Muppetverse. Mm. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, Wait, did they... Was he was he the main character for the the reboot... Not the last reboot, but the one before that uh, reboot of the Muppet Show. I did not see that one. It was like in the 90s. I think it was in like the mid-90s. That's too early. I mean, sorry, that's too late for this show. That's too late, yeah. Um, I did not... I mean, admittingly, my Muppet foo is low. So I I did not recognize Bean at all. I could not remember if Skeeter was really a thing. I also think that this show, they basically like, it's inferred that like there's literally thousands of Muppets in this room and we only see like the Muppets we we need. Yeah. This room is like the TARDIS basically. It's like an infinite amount of space for an infinite number of Muppets. Muppets. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, didn't really recognize Bean either, and the thing about Bean that really drove me nuts was he was the most animalistic out of all of them. Like yes. he he looked the most like a rabbit. Like he looked most like the mm-hmm. animal that he was supposed to be derived from. Yeah, and I feel like that created like a weird uncanny valley thing that just sort of like made him like stick out. Not even like not even like a rabbit, but like a cartoon rabbit. He looked, and all the other characters. You know, the character design was completely different. Uh, well, he designed he looked, like 30 years later. Yeah, and, and yeah, probably yeah. by completely different people. So Gonzo pops out and he proposes a channel uh, that only shows uh, a programming that is written by and stars and is for kids. Nobody's really on board until he says stars and then Miss Piggy is on right. board. And then everybody follows Miss Piggy. I think everybody's kind of on board except Miss Piggy, and then she, 
was won over by the lure of fame. Um, because she, bitch is shallow. So I, I was thinking I would want to see a channel that's like the inverse of this, which are uh, shows that star and for adults written by children. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think that that would actually be a very interesting experiment. Yeah. It'd be like it'd be like kids say the damnedest thing only acted out by. I think that they already have that, don't they? Isn't that called drunk history? <laughs> uh did you ever read Axe Cop? Uh yes. Yeah. Uh I I only saw like a couple of uh couple of entries, but uh I loved that that concept of the artist taking his uh kid brothers. Yeah. Inane ramblings. And making them into comics. Yeah. So we're in season seven, right? Of Muppet season Babies? seven of eight or nine, yeah. Yeah. So this this was September to November of 1990. So this was after the death of uh, Jim Henson. R.I.P. Jim Henson was the man. He was good. Um, what happens next, David? Scene four, the letter B. Well, first they name they name the channel the XYZ channel. They do, yeah. No, I I think they do that after they do the letter B though, don't they? No, they do it before. I think they name it right away, yeah. So they they name it the XYZ channel based off of Ralph's suggestion because that's the only blocks they had left over after Animal ate them all. Okay. Go baby so, go. Where do we leave off? We so scene about... scene four. Mm-hmm. Scene four. The letter B. Yes, where Kermit introduces the letter for the episode, and there's this weird bunny here that we don't see. That we haven't really. It's not really a standard Muppet. No, I was just thinking, like when they were doing B, they kept on like they had a giant B that they kept on knocking around, kept on like falling off of buildings. Was was doing a lot of ballistic type activity. <laughs> Why didn't they use the word barrage? Well, it it is a child's cartoon. And then and then they break it up and they say boulder instead of break. I mean, these stupid kids and their B words. <laughs> anyway, this is them clearly ripping off Sesame Street, which is another Jim Henson property. Oh, we'll we'll get to we'll get to that. <laughs> okay. This the whole show has always been like wasn't that the premise of the show? Is they do these kind of parodies or like takes on mm-hmm. pop culture property, properties? Yeah, yeah. It's just them rehashing pop culture basically. That's what kids do. They imitate. <laughs> okay. I, I I would buy that. But this this like parody is so agen- is so gentle, it might as well just be Sesame Street. So the bunny shows up and is trying to get us into Disney. Yeah, they're doing uh Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, they they, they they need someone to be the bear, Winnie the Pooh. And Piggy comes up and takes the role away from Fonzie. Yeah, she beats him out in the uh in the interview or in the uh in the room. I want to see that casting couch. She browbeats him in the interview. Yeah. Wait, you wanted to see that casting couch? Was was that a was that a porn reference? Hmm? No, it's called a joke, Adam. Oh. I know. Oh, I know you okay. don't know what that is. I know yeah. it's a foreign concept for you, but. Yeah, I've I've been meaning to I've been meaning to look into that. I think I have a master class set let me, up for that. Let somewhere. me go- Let me Google it for you. I need to. Okay. Yeah, just send me the link in the chat. That'd be good. 
they keep changing her name like uh, to different Winnie the Pooh sort of puns and anagrams and rhymes. Well, well, she insists that she's perfect for the role because she is Piggy the Pooh. Mm. Yeah, and and that's and that's what she's going with. She's like, I'm Piggy the Pooh. And then it's it's Bean that can't actually get her name right and keeps calling her different things. Yeah, and she's tormented the whole time by Bean because he's forcing her to do things as he reads from the book. But with one very important exception, and th- this is one of the reasons why earlier I was talking about Miss Piggy. At some point in time, they're trying to get Miss Piggy to find and eat honey, and yes. Bean starts talking about honey. So when Be- when Bean mentions honey, the the entire imaginarium d- it drops, and Miss Piggy walks over to Bean and says, "Did you call me honey?" Oh, and, and, and Bean is obviously flustered and flipping through the book, which he's treating as a script, to try to get back on track to try to get Miss Piggy away from him. And it, it seemed obvious to me. I know the anim- the the clarity of the uh, recording was not very good, but it seemed to me that Miss Piggy basically thought that Bean was hitting on her, mm-hmm. and she was basically coming over to be receptive towards his advances. Yes, but as per the time, this is paid, played for laughs, and uh, Miss Piggy as a character is so like reprehensible that her um, totally legitimate indignity with him calling her honey is is a joke. Because she, everything else about her is like she's uh, fame-seeking and lazy and shiftless and angry and um, uh, vain and uh, vaguely money-grubbing, uh, and so her like uh, legitimate anger is sort of played for laughs. Well, that, that's my question though. Was it legitimate anger, or did she come over saying, "Oh, you called me honey. We can. Are you interested? You want to?" You know, you want to go... Oh, do you think she wants some of that beanbag? That's what I was thinking. She That's wants what to... I was thinking with it. The first she... time I thought it was her being angry, but the second time I was like, well, you know, Miss Piggy is a bit of a horn dog, and you know what? She can own the shit out of her sexuality. If she's what? into her frogs, she's probably into rabbits. So, that's I mean, defi- Yeah, that's what go, I girl, think. If, she... if you want to get your piece... She seemed uh, pretty surprised and wasn't quite sure which way she was going to go with that yet. I, I would think that like it's more in character for her to be angry about that, but um, and, and I'm not sure where you're getting this concept that Miss Piggy is like horny. Well, she's uncontrolled it in, in in all in all ways. Yeah. Wow. Deep. And and <laughs> did you not see the like Muppet shows, like the actual like movies and the? Because she she was she was very lusty in a lot of the. Uh, movies and, and like in the Muppet show itself she seemed to basically show um, Amherst feelings towards anybody that showed advances towards her but then constantly towards Kermit the Frog even when he did rebuke her advances is it bad that I always thought that that was like sort of again like a disgusting stereotype because she was attracted to Kermit's power like he could he was he ran the show so she was threw herself at him as a form of um, advancing her career. Yeah, well, yeah, that's kind of gross. But at the same time, I think that's kind of how they they made Miss Piggy. Like, yeah, they were like, and and I mean, this kind of goes into some of the problems with our entire society, 
for the most part. <laughs> Here it's we like, go. Here if, we go. We got woke if, Adam on the line. If there's if there's a woman showing any type of ambition, then that's obviously gross. Because why would she like try to take her destiny into her own hands and try to like reach the top and be the best that she can be when she really needs to like wait her turn and rely on the men to pick her out and let her do uh, the things that she wants to do on their schedule when they reach, brother. So. Reach. I'm just saying, Miss Piggy was framed. That's oh all. no, I mean, I, I'm 100 sympathetic in that, like, <laughs> I've always kind of found Miss Piggy to be sort of an awful character. And as I get older, I'm more and more like Jim Henson seemed to like kind of hate women because yeah, this yeah. is not nice. But um, it's it's very strange too because it's like she was almost like an awful character, but she was also a very strong-willed character. She was very strong. Yeah, physically like, strong. Well, phys- well, yeah, yeah, physically strong, but also like in the sense of like she wasn't really deterred. Like she had she had focus, and she was driving towards that focus, and that was always played as a joke. Like, <laughs> look at this woman that has ambition, you know? Really, I don't know. Maybe it's more complicated than I'm thinking. But uh, I always kind of related to her to um, Madame Castafori on uh, Tintin. Did you ever? Do no, you remember? No. Okay. No. David, you know right. what I'm? David, you know what I'm talking about? Nope. Okay, well, these are what sophisticated European <laughs> podcasters are talking about. Unless you want to re-record and have me say yes. <laughs> no. The only sophisticated European animation that I got was through Futurama. Mm. Specifically, I was thinking about when they were doing the uh, newspaper delivery. You remember that? The kid on the asteroid. That's like a French little little prince. There we go. The Little Prince. It's a classic children's novel, you fucking Philistine. You should read it. It's a beautiful it's a beautiful book, you you disgusting <laughs> gross American. <laughs> you have you have no magic in your life. I I've got plenty of magic in my life. Mm. Let's move on to scene six. Commercial break. I remember the scene that they went to commercial on, and it was such forced drama that, like, she opens a cupboard, and we cut out on that, and then we come back to her screaming, and she opens the cupboard to reveal claymation dancing bananas. Yep. Well, well, first, Animal shoots out of the cupboard. Yes. And then, and then she looks into the other cupboard, and that's when screaming go to commercial. So this... Okay, I'm going to go into the animal thing real quick. Is that all right? Yeah. No, no, yeah, because I I wanted to say something about it, too. This confuses the shit out of me. So I'm just going to put it out there. Did you guys know what show he was supposed to be? Oh, no. No, I didn't. The the alligator? Him turning into an alligator? Well, no, he's doing Beetlejuice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's doing Beetlejuice. Oh, I didn't get that at all. Yeah, because it's completely incomprehensible, but he's saying animal juice every time he appears... And he's in these black oh. and white stripes. Yeah, and he's wearing black and white stripes. Yeah, the black and white stripes would have been the only thing to give it away from me, but did did they say his name three times and then he appears, or...? I don't think he follows the rules. Yeah. Yeah. So the the thing that, that, that got me about Animal was that as a baby, mm-hmm. he actually seems to have a greater vocabulary than what he has as an adult. Well, he's destroyed his okay. mind with drugs. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> I, I, I'd like to get into this, too, because when they named the station XYZ, because those are the only alphabet blocks left, 
Oh, mm. that's indicating that he's eating the blocks in alphabetical in order. order. Yep. Wow. Yep. This is a real, like, Angela's Ashes kind of moment where he's, like, eating newspaper, like he's consuming the word, the written word, uh, as a metaphor for uh, gaining knowledge. Well, 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 no, this is just characters being (laughs) (laughs) min-maxed. I mean, look at Bean. Uh, He's, like, canonically the only one of the Muppet babies who's potty trained, but he has no point in personality. Interesting. He, He is? How do we get that he was the only one? Canonically potty trained. Adam, it's I, I did research. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, could you send me those research links later, David? Do you mind if... Um, I like the idea that as a baby, you can max out potty training. You could put points into potty training. <laughs> Whereas Animal has like a high strength and vocabulary, but it, obviously his dex is low because he can't walk. Right. Do, yeah, you think, yeah. do you think he got respect? Like... <laughs> He did a respec, like, when he reached adulthood. Like, when he became a band's drummer for the band. Yeah, yeah. he like he was like, I gotta change my loadout. Uh, I'm gonna respec this whole this whole build. And I need I need dexterity to play the drums now, so I'm gonna bring vocabulary and body training down. <laughs> Must have. Um, but, but Animal consistently crashes through shows and, like, shouts yeah. incomprehensibly. And then exits. So these dancing bananas, yeah, <laughs> they they got a pretty horrific uh, response of screaming and yelling. Yeah, and and watching them dance a little bit, I can see why you would have that response. If anything, for the fact that they seem to be flashing the audience as they dance around. Yeah, well, they're dancing the lum, lumbaga, the root of something. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure what it was supposed to be because it it, it kind of seemed like they might have been trying to form a conga line. Well, Gon- they, they didn't have at this, arms. At this point, Gonzo comes in, and this show is interrupted briefly by the uh, Gonzi show. Scene six, live action TV. Well, that's that's when uh, that's when Skeeter Saggy comes in to do an America's Funniest Home Video parody. I I, I was hoping he was going to do the Aristocrats joke, uh, but instead he. Uh, <laughs> Introduces America's Funniest Home Videos, uh, which is basically just stock footage with dumb voiceovers. Gonzi's Playhouse. Gonzi's Playhouse. <laughs> Scene seven. Gonzi, Gonzi, Gonzi. Scene seven. Sesame well, Seed Boulevard. We... But, well, first we, we get the uh, magic word, don't yeah. we? Probably. Somebody says the magic word. God damn it. Ah! I'm sorry, what? <laughs> the mystery word is god damn it you just said the word of the day matt it's god damn it everybody i'm gonna celebrate ah! did did you like the stock footage part was that funny that's that's the weird thing right like it was it like totally took you out of the animation itself and it was nothing it was it was like garbage well i mean it was about on the level with the rest of the show yeah but but my question is going back to the fact that these are all anthropomorphic animals that we're watching doing things, and then suddenly we start looking at stock footage of other random actual real animals. Was this almost like a uh, reality shattering moment for the Muppets, where they then like start looking at themselves Ooh. and they're like, "What am I?" <laughs> wow. Uh, I mean, it sounds like it was more for you. It was like a form of cognitive distance where you couldn't hold the idea of a pretend animal and a real animal at the same time in your brain. And uh, I assume it popped. 
well, yeah, but I think that happened a while ago. Probably when I first watched this in the 90s. Yeah. 1990? Yeah. Going deeper into that, the next <laughs> scene, Sesame Seed Boulevard, is a parody of Sesame Street. Right, a, where we've been before. A show which Kermit has been on since its first season. It's a show that he started and helped build as an adult, and now as a child, he's parodying the show that he created as an adult. It's like Looper, but... But shitty. Have you seen Looper? <laughs> Looper was all right. All right. Okay, Looper. <laughs> yeah, when you say Looper but, but shitty, then uh, that implies that Looper isn't shitty. So, um, <laughs> do we hate? Did we hate Looper? Did I miss a memo? Here's what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking that what we're actually watching right now is the actual child form of the modern day Muppets. So we're looking at the Muppets as they were babies in some sort of super secret science facility that's studying their brains, trying to figure out what happened when they cross genetic, when they combine the genetics of animals with that of humans. And during this time frame, when they, when all of the kids had to basically like keep themselves entertained in some fashion, otherwise go insane from the bleakness of their situation, they actually created this intellectual property. Oh, no, no, I like this. It, I think it goes deeper than that. Like, they dreamed our reality. Our reality, oh. our all of our pop culture, all of our culture is just the uh, shared fever dream of these animal-human hybrid pig people. And it's just like their innate ramblings are our existence. I mean, it would kind of make and sense. We're perceiving it in a different fashion. It's yeah. all coming together. I don't know, I'm kind of digging uh, Adam's explanation that the fourth wall of the show was a one-way mirror with a bunch of scientists <laughs> watching them. <laughs> exactly. We're from the scientist's viewpoint. Watching them. I mean, if there were these kind of human-animal hybrids, in, a, endearingly cute, like like uh, so cute they must have been designed and they suddenly were made aware, like the, the government would want to study that. Yeah, yeah. It's like the teddy bears in Futurama. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. <laughs> With the hunter in there. Um, so we have our, our, this is when we get our puppetception, um, in which uh, puppets are controlling puppets. Because they're doing a Burton Ernie yeah. uh, ripoff. Kermit Bernie. and Scooter have both of their paper bags in a, in a tiny bed. Mm-hmm. In in two separate tiny beds. Well, here's well, the thing. In, in, in yes. a bedroom. Go ahead, David. Yeah. Well, w w when they go back to the wide shot, there's only one bed. It's not going back to the wide <laughs> shot. It is when we break through the shared reality and we go back to what's actually happening in the nursery. Yeah. So in, in the dream, they're in two beds. But in reality, they fucking. In reality, they're in one, they're in one bed together. Yeah. Between Kermit and Scooter, who's the top? I'm gonna have to say Scooter. <laughs> oh, okay, interesting. Like, like even though he's like mild mannered, he he is their stage manager, so he is very controlling. Why did so I, I imagine? Why did he I would open this door? A top because he'd want to control the movement, right? I I'm ashamed where's, of myself for doing this. Where's Kermit's a frog? 
Yes, and I, I mean, Scooter spins and stays erect due to centrifugal force. Kermit is a frog. Hence, exactly. Scooter is a top. <laughs> oh. <laughs> David, when you replace me on the podcast, get someone funny, okay? I think I'm pretty, I, I'm pretty sure I'm the unfunny one here. I don't Thank you very so. much. <laughs> Can't replace you. I'm not allowed to go outside and meet other people. <laughs> <laughs> Nanny won't let me out. Above her horrible yeah. slapping vaginas. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's that's another reason this episode is topical. It's a bunch of uh, it's it's a it, it's a bunch of immature uh, uh, people in a it, like trapped inside that are going insane very slowly. It's uh, it's the plot of the Decameron. Uh, where they're all like it's an epic poem. It's a plot of 2020. There you go. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think that we even see murder hornets at some point in time, don't we? No, no, those are bees. So this this scene is such a nothing scene. In in all fairness, all of the scenes are nothing scenes in this thing. Yes. There's no plot. There's no continuity. And... Uh, there's just like a series of sli- maybe slightly running jokes and vignettes. Uh, but this scene particularly really struck me as like, Jesus, they are really like, what? there's nothing here. They're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. Except that um, Scooter seems to be allergic to the concept of sheep. Because <laughs> well, in, his, in, his hand is allergic to the concept of sheep. Right. Yep. His hand starts sneezing when um, illusionary sheep starts jumping. Like, they don't have actual sheep in the nursery. So his hand starts sneezing at the concept of sheep. And, and that's when the bag comes off his hand. And that just completely took me out of the scenario. <laughs> like, I just... Like, from that point forward, I was like, I can't get back into this garbage. What are you talking about? I feel yeah. like in the future, there's going to be a drinking game uh, where everyone drinks when Adam comes out of this scenario. Something <laughs> t- completely takes him out of it. That's when everybody drinks. Yeah, and then we get our first, like, uh, curated transition via via uh, Pothead Dog. Oh, so, uh, yeah, Rolf. Yes. Scene eight, Pooh Forest. Piggy and Bean. She's skipping, and uh, first she's yelling, then she's skipping through the forest. And, and well, uh, she she's skipping at Bean's insistence. Bean says, "Just follow this line to get to your final destination." And she starts walking, and Bean's like, "Winnie the Pooh skips, bitch. Mm. You need to be skipping." Yeah, I mean, again, she's tormented by the narrator. Yeah. Um, and she finds, quote unquote, eyesore. Which I feel like they could have played up that pun a little bit more, like giving him like an eye patch or like had one of his eyes like be poked out or be poked or like even have it be like a button that's fallen off or something. Or a disease you get from Apple products if, without using protection. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> because of the 5G network. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, and Eyesore, um, just like Eeyore, really sucks. Like... It takes a very long time to say nothing, and essentially just wastes time. Then we're introduced to um, Bean again. I guess Bean was playing Eyesore, and then yeah. Bean and then Bean plays Beanie, 
who is essentially Tigger. So what it, what it really comes down to is everybody's sort of gone off to their own corners to do their own sort of pretend games that they're then trying to combine together to turn into one full network for kids. And one is Winnie the Pooh with uh, Miss Piggy and the rabbit. Um, the other is Gonzi's Playhouse, which we initially were led to believe was just uh, Skeeter and Gonzi, but Skeeter's the one with the camera, so she's probably filming all of this. And then that- we have Kermit and uh, Scooter playing Sesame Street. And then Rolf sort of like hangs in for the Sesame Street part every now and again as well. Well, Rolf is like, um, he, he does transitions between the shows. So he does, remember how there used to be like bumpers at the end of like a cartoon block where it'd be like, after these messages, we'll be right back. And then like at the end of the the, the uh, commercials. <laughs> Why did you do that us 3030? <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the commercials there would be a, like another animated bumper they'd be like uh, we told you we'd be back uh yeah. and and then like uh they would be not related to the show at all yeah I mean, yeah not it's related like to the he, show at all like howie mandel playing bobby in bobby's world doing like the intro and outro is bobby well i was i was thinking more like the the station would do those like the the channel would do those interstitials um, mm. to I guess probably to like f- pad out time between the commercials and the show. Okay. Um, and sometimes they would even like theme the animation block. So like their Saturday morning animation block would have like a theme, and they'd do those bumpers at the in between commercial breaks. To uh, they were sort of related to the theme. Do you guys remember this at all? Oh yeah. No, no, yeah, I do, I do, yeah. You're not, you're not totally insane. Matt, just just partially insane. Right. I mean, I think I even recognize that accent you're trying to do for like a specific number. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, it is tough to turn down all the voice work I get. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you are busy with a newborn, but when they pull up those dump trucks full of money, it's just, you know, your heart's not made out of stone. I got to think about... Bean's future and um, my need for electronics. Yeah, because the iPhone 12 is coming out soon. 12X? Oh, okay. I don't know. Um, 12XL. So it, I, think at, pleasure. I think at this point we actually see a little bit of Scooter controlling the camera because she kind of like turns Skeeter. away. Skeeter. We, see, we start to see Skeeter like turn away. Like her her POV and control of the camera influences, and and Miss Piggy is upset that like she's no longer getting attention as the camera like moves on from this scene, uh, and we get back into um, the Sesame Street parody. Scene nine: Animal eats Kermit's presentation. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty much the entire scene. Although yeah. I do think it's kind of funny that the easel wasn't really drawn; it was only in the foreground, because as animals eating through the easel or eating through the uh, the presentation that's on the easel you see there's absolutely nothing behind it holding it up right um, also uh, Kermit has a Kermit shirt on it's very meta Oof. was that Kermit also wearing a Kermit shirt well no that's that's a mm. thing that children wear to help them be kidnapped <laughs> <laughs> like they need the help so so we get into the next scene um, and, and Gonzo 
or Gonzi's Playhouse, is prepping like a meal. Wait, 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 wait. We're we're skipping something here. Uh, A scene that I actually wanted to talk about a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, After uh, Animal eats the the presentation, and we learn B is for burp, um, he transforms into like an Ub Iwerks style uh, insect. Um, I, I think it's a bee. I think it's supposed to be a bee and chases Kermit around. And this is when I started to realize that he's Beetlejuice. Mm, gotcha. Gotcha. Well, B is for Beetlejuice. So B is for B. Like th- this show is so lazy. It uses the same jokes in different forms over and over and over again. Yep. Yep. Is that lazy or is it helping like stupid children feel smart i think that it's a little bit of column a a little bit of column b Mm. i think it's a lot of column a and just a coincidence of column b (laughs) (laughs) um onto the onto the scene you wanted to describe adam yeah well what was it's gonzo in gonzi's playhouse prepping for this meal but gonzo this entire time he's been dressed he's been dressed as uh Pee Wee herman as a Paul Rubens character, Pee Wee Herman, uh, which is basically like a gray suit with a red bow tie. And um, it wasn't until this point in time when we actually see Gonzo like pulling out bowls and trying to get things set up. And then we shift into the imaginary for like the ingredients and the things that he's starting to do that I realize he's wearing the Pee Wee Herman outfit in real life. Oh, wow. And, and in imagination. Well. So this this kind of like leads a little bit more towards like Gonzo controlling everything by like being like the most put together, the most buttoned up, the most well groomed member of all of the Muppets. Well, it, and and that yeah. that persona kind of like leeching itself out, like his his Taipei personality means that he's got to be wearing this impeccable outfit, and that's what's that Taipei personality is what's causing him to kind of like force all the other Muppets to do some sort of make-believe activity that he can then interrupt at his leisure. Well, it's 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 clearly a premeditated thought crime because he's it gone is. to the effort to make himself a custom suit. And now exactly. he's, you know, he introduces the concept of the child's channel. Um, like, clearly he's been planning this for a long time uh, in order to induce this mass hallucination. I think Indeed. that's what I think that's well observed, Adam. Also, this uh, the snack appears to be clams and pickled marshmallows. Yeah, like it. <laughs> what fucking kid wants to eat clams? I mean, it's it's crazy. Am I crazy? Uh, it's crazy. Well, again, like this is a sexual metaphor of something. Yeah, type. this is a this is a his awakening. Oh, okay, yeah. Because they are anthropomorphic clams and anthropomorphic marshmallows. This is totally a Vore thing. <laughs> okay, yeah, we can go that way. I was going to go with the classic oyster, uh, oysters are vaginas uh, uh, metaphor, but um, let's go with Vore. <laughs> no, it's totally Vore. Totally Vore. Wait, is there like a particular part of Vore where it's like you get sexual arousal from eating somebody versus getting eaten by something? Because I know that the main the main part of it is being eaten by something. 
like David. Yeah, David. <laughs> don't, don't don't look at me. <laughs> Aren't you a resident Vore expert? Yeah. Aren't you uh, a Vorist? I, I deny that. No, no. I think Matt, you were the one that was our Vore expert. You brought it up in the. Uh, I mean, Dungeons and Dragon games. <laughs> That's because I was trying to have the giants eat you. Uh, I don't know much about Vore at all, except that it exists. Was there cooking segments on um, Pee Wee's Playhouse? I didn't watch that show very much. I didn't either. I wish that I did though, because because there's there's like a lot of references to it that are pretty. That are pretty uh, ingrained in pop culture. Right now. I don't think it was a regular segment. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there was two or three episodes where they did something with cooking. Scene eleven. Back to the Sesame Street parody. Oh, yes, Jesus Christ. This is where the audio it... desyncs for the episode. Oh, because yes. gotcha. Yeah, we're basically watching yeah a VHS transfer to YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this, this was one of my favorite things, though. <clears throat> this is when Fonzie reasserts him, reinserts himself into the episode. Yeah, he reinserts himself in the episode, and everybody's imagination is so beautiful and fluid that they're able to create these landscapes, create this like wonderful world they can interact with, create these very nice uh, costumes that they're wearing. And Fonzie <laughs> is wearing um, swimming flippers, <laughs> a, a pillow tied around his waist, and a paper cone over his nose don't forget the black sunglasses and black sunglasses in an attempt to look like big bird well his name is big joke big joke okay yeah they the uh non-copyright infringing big joke yes because otherwise they'd be sued by jim henson studios (laughs) right by their own company (laughs) but 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 this is this is the funniest part though is that he's he's fonzie is always striving to be a comedian he is here. He calls himself Big Joke because he wants to be known as a comedian, but his imagination is so shitty that he can't even imagine up like a costume, a costume that's even closely resembling the thing that he's supposed to be. I mean, I can, I, I really think this is like a deconstructionist humor where, like, he is, uh, his costume is so unrefined that that becomes the costume. If you know what I mean. Or maybe, maybe this is just like really self-deprecating humor because mm. he calls himself the big joke. So he's obviously got to be like a shitty character. Well, Kermit Kermit turns to the camera and he says, he said it, not me. At any rate, um, what I enjoyed about this scene is that it starts with Kermit uh, pulling the bee around the corner in a wagon and like really struggling hauling this bee around, which I thought was kind of actually sort of amusing. Um, and, and the bee is obviously so off kilter and top heavy that it would have just toppled over as soon as yeah. he started wheeling that thing. So, and it's I think it's backwards the whole time. He's like hauling it behind him. I yeah. like I like the idea that like uh, if you host Sesame Street or, or uh, what is what is this parody show? Sesame Street. Uh, it's Sesame, Sesame Street. Seed Boulevard. Sesame Seed Boulevard. Um, yeah. That you you have to like carry around a giant letter or number the entire time and it's, it's like this albatross it's like your responsibility yeah the, the letter of the day is your responsibility and you have to make sure it it stays pristine it's like a it's like a truly uh, uh sculpture it's made out of like spun glass 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> weighs like hundreds of pounds and you have to fucking carry it around it's it's like in middle school when you had a um a, a flower baby made out of a flower a sack of flour i don't think i ever did that well you were a boy i still think they i think they do that for boys still nowadays they they it it was literally a technique to dissuade people from having children because like you like carrying around this five pound thing all the time. That's what babies are. So don't fuck. Anyway, Fonzie launches into a parody song to the tune of La Bamba. And 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 I had a question about this too. And and I again, I wish that I knew more about this, but I I found this tune incredibly catchy. Yeah, because La Bamba is a great song. Well, but it, but it's it's not even La Bamba. It's like it's like a minor key La Bamba. It's like like when they started off, it's not not quite right. And I was curious if this was actually something they did for PB's Playhouse. If PB's Playhouse actually used this exact, um, I know it would be out of whack, but I didn't know if they were like mixing different shows together. And PB's Playhouse actually had a segment that was this like weirdo song when they were singing about educational material or something. Did did Petey's Playhouse have many musical numbers? Man, our ignorance of uh, Petey's Playhouse is really haunting us. It is pretty bad. That seems more likely mm. than cooking segments. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. All I but remember this... is that talking chair and kind of like with the cushion that would come up and kind of thinking that it looked a lot like a toilet and I sort of would have like defecated cool. to her mouth. Okay, Matt. We, we're, Nobody else. <laughs> we we have another podcast dedicated to picking apart the psychological trauma that you have endured as a child and how it shaped you as an adult. Um, no, oh, wait, no, that's this yeah, one. That's this one. Never mind. <laughs> I, I announced at the top of the show. <laughs> okay, that's right. That's right. We, we'll sort this we, out. We are guys. the way we are because of uh, shows like this. I honestly, I didn't really want to defecate in my mouth, but the idea did pop into my head where I was like, well, she looks like a toilet and her like uh, the cushion pops up. So like, wouldn't you be pooping into her mouth? David's got this in post. It's okay. No worries. (laughs) Um, My my favorite part about this La Bamba activity was that uh, what was actually the lyrics to the song. I actually really like this song a lot. Really, where, where it's where it's Fonzie just like getting numbers all wrong and trying to compare it to like Sound. everyday items. I, yeah, I don't and feel color. like you put a lot of effort into this song. Which this is song what made me like it. You know, <laughs> this song felt so lazy. Like they they wrote this thing. It does not follow the rhythm. The it does not rhyme. None of the words really like uh, seem to line up with the length of the uh, of the original song. The it, it's very yeah. weird. And, and, like, the concepts and the ideas don't even, like, mesh. There's, like, no, it's, like, two plus chicken equals half an egg. Three plus green equals your mom's leg. Eight plus 12 is uh, where you want to be because it's going to load up the truck and go to Beverly. Like, it's, it's, in, it's it just a jumble of words and insanity that has yeah. a bunch of, of letters and uh, numbers thrown into it. Yeah, it's like so. a Beck song. <laughs> it's like midnight vultures the entire album fonzie does have two turntables and a microphone so damn um and the whole time his nonsense is like is raining down on the long-suffering kermit like all the numbers fall on him and the kermit's like trying to point out the inconsistencies of the song and he's being dragged along for the whole uh, 
nightmarish journey for him. Okay. From here, <laughs> we go back to scene eight. And the only note I have for this part is Chaos Descends. Well, yeah, at first, Piggy the Pooh is trying to get a honeypot, and uh, Eyesore gives her a kite, and she flies up to get the honeypot. Yeah, the honeypot is hanging from a tree. The way honeypots do. Yeah. Also, does anyone else feel very dirty using the say- saying the term honeypot? No. Okay. Um she climbs, she gets up into the tree to get the honeypot, and she grasps it, and the branch breaks. She falls, her skirt fills in the air, and she parachutes down to the ground safely. And she makes some sort of commentary about being in a cartoon. It's so meta. Oh, it is. It's um, the metaist. Yeah. Uh, then the honeypot breaks, and bees come out, and they're not regular insect beads insectoid beads they are the letter b described by kermit and this is when our unearned climax happens when all of our shows collide right david that's my username unearned climax (laughs) 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 oh nice uh so Kermit lifts uh, hundreds of objects that start with B, and they're all flying into the screen. Gonzo pops in, and he's shouting about the mystery word. And I finally understood the animal was saying animal juice. Oh, uh, yeah. And the end of the scene is everyone shouting cuts to everyone shouting, uh, in which we exit the dream world into reality, and we see that they are all just shouting at each other. Does that take us to scene 12, David? No, it does not. Oh. <laughs> did, did I miss something? Yeah. Well, it sounds like you found something else. Oh, yeah, because this was the ending, essentially. Because we're, we're out of the dreamscape and we're looking at everything that's real and it kind of zooms in on Skeeter's camera as she's filming yes. all of the uh, uh, Muppet babies freaking out on the road. They were in a snow globe the so, whole time. And yep. and she says that they're going to get an Oscar. And then somebody says that they'd rather get an Irving, which is a reference I did not get. Is it like yeah. an Ir- Irving Berlin reference or something? So, see, an Oscar is a proper first name. And Irving is also a first name. Ugh. Oh, I get it now. I mean, I get... I, David... How dare you talk down to me that way? <laughs> but no, yeah, the, um, it, it didn't really make a lot of sense to me either. But they were also like, who's Oscar? Who's Oscar? And I was like, you're fucking Muppets. You know Oscar the Grouch, you bitches. <laughs> um, I thought there was like a deeper reference in the Irving thing. So I like Googled like uh, Muppets Irving and came up with Irving Berlin. And I was like, what, the, what are they talking about? Uh, but maybe, no, maybe maybe there was a thing where they kept referencing urban Berlin. Maybe I don't know. Uh, then they want they started de- they say they start declaring all the things that they want and closing on a tuna fish sandwich. I believe. Don't know what the tuna fish sandwich was a reference to. I, I thought they just yelled out, "I want a tuna fish sandwich." Yeah, I think Fonzie wants a tuna fish sandwich. Okay. Anyway, we finally uh, extract ourselves from this mess, and there's a final channel XYZ bumper, which I guess is scene 13, David? All right. 
I mean, <laughs> seriously, I got to this point. I'm like, I can't take. You were like, yeah, can't take this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, fuck that shit. Yeah, I mean, this is all just like this is just a jumble of ideas that doesn't really make any sense whatsoever. So yeah, yeah. so there's a channel XYZ bumper that's interrupted. It's it's superimposed over an actual live sky. Uh, a found footage sky and Gonzi Gonzo flies in and uh, kicks out the uh, bumpers and um, pothead Rolf uh, says, uh, okay, animal turn off the lights. So they start turning off the lights and Gonzo tells us that they'll be right back, which is a fucking lie <laughs> on top of all the other lies of this show. <laughs> Or maybe it was Gonzo trying to say, like, don't worry, kids, we'll be back next week. But he he didn't have time, so he just said, we'll be right back. It's basically saying, hey, kids, come watch the credits. You'll love this. Yep. All right. Sorry, David. I, I remembered the climax, I guess, a little better. <laughs> That's my username. Yeah. <laughs> it's long and confusing, but also weird, so... Um, I just rolled over and went to sleep so soon after the climax. <laughs> of course, you, you'd even try for after the refractory period. So. Yes, you you need to make sure. Yeah, you got to keep them pipes clean, boy. Got to go mm-hmm. hit the head. <laughs> go Jeez. pee a little bit. Yeah, it's true. This this is this is my my PSA for this this show. Your PSA? No. no 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 matter if you're a man or a woman, once you hit it, go pee. Keeps oh, yeah. pipes clean. Uh, or drink keeps, lots of cranberry juice. Keeps bacteria from growing in there. <sighs> All right. Well, thank you. Too, right? Thanks, sex ed Adam. <laughs> Are you supposed to drink the cranberry juice? Oh, no. <laughs> I feel like we really needed Mike for this episode. <laughs> I I think we got there, guys. I think we got there. <laughs> so I I have a couple big questions. These Muppets seem to be like completely independent creatures. Uh, as Muppets age, do they grow the uh, ass hand holes that humans can insert <laughs> their hands into? Yes. Is that like a puberty thing? What What if this is like the sad fact that we, that we realize that... All the Muppets that we know of that are the quote-unquote adult Muppets are actually just taxidermied versions <laughs> of these sentient beings <laughs> that we then, like, put shows on with to oh, entertain Jesus. ourselves. Like, this is some sort of, like, strange alien race of humans that actually get their – derive all their pleasure from this, like, inhumane taxidermied freak show. But yeah. they have to have full knowledge of the fact that they were living, breathing, sentient beings that actually had free will and capabilities of their own beforehand. Like, The Muppet Show is this, like, uh, uh, Mummer Museum dance macabre sort of uh, feast of horrors that's just all these um, animated corpses uh, doing silly little dance routines for, for our pleasure. Yep. Yep. You don't know any of those references. Nope. <laughs> <laughs>
Moving right along. What's our next segment, David? So this show, would you let your child watch this, Matt? <laughs> it always feels like a weighted question, doesn't it? I mean, it's I, I like that I'm the star of this terrible question. Um, honestly, kind of no. Because uh, I feel like there's better Muppets properties. Uh, it's a retread and a bunch of references to things she's not going to know. And it's a screeching hellscape. And I don't want her to endure it. And I don't want to listen to it. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. I, there's also not like a very positive portrayal of women in it. Oh, no. That characterization of Miss Piggy is still here as a child. Yeah. So. And even like um, Skeeter. Uh, yeah. Did, did you. Like, she was like a nothing character in this episode. Yeah. So this is the segment where we try to weave this cartoon along with all the other cartoons, into a single unified story. This is the one-universe conspiracy theory. I feel like there's an obvious choice that I'm going to go with. Mm-hmm. Should, should we close on this, or should we open on this? Uh, oh, I, I, I don't know. I kind of leave that up to you. But, but I did have a question about this segment. Should we like take turns coming up with a theory to weave into the one universe and then we vote for which one's the best <laughs> and then that that canonically becomes the theme for that that canonically becomes the the piece that we fit into the universe i think it's i i don't think i think it's more like it's a slightly an improv session and the thing that's funniest or most fun becomes our becomes our narrative and we don't really even talk about it it's it's like whoever creates the narrative just incorporates the funniest bits i don't think we really want it set in stone i think that uh we're gonna okay. need to keep it a little okay. bit flexible for when see things interfere i'm just i'm just thinking about the book deals in the future right write like right. somebody wants us to write the story that is everybody else's story you're always looking for that fucking writing credit adam and then we just get sued into oblivion because we're Using everybody's IP. <laughs> oh, I thought you, I thought that you were just looking for that royalty check. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I don't think I don't think it'll get that far. <laughs> this show is definitely at a nexus. We're just four years from when um, Stampede destroys the Earth by hurtling a planet between Earth and the Moon. We're at a real moment here. I think. We are, we are. This this also seems like it's somewhat. Uh, no, no, no. Because because the the events of Wildcats is after this time too, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um. And, and, and but the other thing that I was thinking about, and I don't want to color what your theory is too much, but um, the other thing I was thinking about is uh, during the period in which we are on the long journey through the stars, and, and we're using holograms and augmented reality to to entertain ourselves and create reality. This feels like a very a very virtual space in which these characters exist. Are they the uh, reality or are they creating our reality or you know are they dreaming up the the future pop culture of our reality or are they um or are they just the products these re- recycled bits of uh thoughts that that we are experiencing. Uh so that kind of time dilation is very interesting. The the time frame is not 
to, to me at this particular point, the time frame was not as important. Oh, okay. Um, usually, I, I'm, I'm very focused on that, but I actually feel like this is during the events in which we are actually beyond the disaster that has destroyed Earth, and we are traveling to the planet of New Texas. And mm. we are actually... Uh, one of my dogs is butting into my room. Um, this is the, so in- the human... Ra- this is the in-flight entertainment. Is somewhat the in-flight entertainment. The, the scientists are on the ship heading to New Texas, and they're starting to realize that there are certain resiliencies to different animals. <laughs> so this is, this oh. is the moment where they start their animal-human hybrid. Oh, God damn it, Adam. That, Over- that, leads to, that leads to the creation of 3030 and all the other... Uh, animal hybrid races that we see interacting with regular humans in brave star 360 so, no scope 420 buddy you fucking <laughs> 69 69 69 <laughs> but but this this is actually this isn't like this this is genetic experimentation here so we actually have these like lab grown they, they call them Muppets, but they're actually animal humans that are interacting with each other. They're in a lab setting. We've created these hard light hologram training programs to try yep. to teach these animals about the human race. So, of course, there's like a ton of pop culture that's just sort of like sprinkled in there for them to actually Yeah, experience. they're just playing their library and while for them. Exactly, exactly. And as they're getting wow. the chance to experience the pop culture... It's creating more and more of like the humanity that we want to see in these animals that so they don't revert back to their more animalistic state. Wow. Um, and the nanny character is really just a robot that comes in every now and again to basically throw out some type of stimuli mm-hmm. for the Muppets to be able to interact with. So this is umbrella cat. So like and yeah, so the, yeah. this is yeah, a, yeah, exactly. They're currently and, on the generation st- ship, and mm-hmm. their their thoughts, their their hallucinations are made real by Synergy, the um, hard light hologram projector, by, by Void, who has now reverted more towards Synergy, the hard light hologram, the Void Synergy the hybrid. Hologram. Yeah, but yeah, the Synergy Jerica Bitten hybrid that is Void. Who managed to find her way on the ship because she was still trying to keep up her Jerrica Benton persona by doing Jim the Hologram concerts, and she happened to be in Houston at the time when the planet broke apart and they took off into space. But this also leads to this is the generational shift. This leads to the idea, David, that you had that there is essentially thousands of Muppets sort of littered about in the space. Yeah, the space is very like squishy. It's the space is like. It's big, then it's small, then it's big. It's because it actually is like a huge portion of the ship. And you do have thousands of Muppets that do have the chance to interact with each other, but they tend to like kind of group off into smaller groupings. And sometimes they'll switch groups, sometimes they'll work around. But it was all it's all an attempt to try to make sure that they have the proper amount of stimuli necessary to develop the their minds and their persona to be able to be integrate in with the rest of the crew. Yeah, I mean, and there's clearly like all these different test groups and uh, and sub control groups, and they like intermix these to see what kind of um, 
proper configuration of of animal personalities and, and animal human traits are going to give um, an optimal so- culture and society yeah. in the future. And, and like, who would be best? For, who would be right for the best jobs? Like, obviously, Gons is an entertainer. He put on a suit. He created this whole situation where everybody can kind of get together and think of these things together. But then we see that. Animal would most likely be like into construction or something because it keeps on tearing things apart and like <laughs> breaking things up. Into we, we know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> judgmental piece of shit. <laughs> Kermit the Frog, we know, is going to be trying to be an educator because he's always like trying to talk to people and teach them things and walk through different different ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miss Piggy is. Well, uh, I mean, we uh, know what know. happens to the pigs. There's a, a horrible civil war. Oh yeah, that led to, um, God, what the fuck hog was the name? Hogtie. Hogtie, yeah, that led to Hogtie. Yes, so and it starts with Miss Piggy. Of so course Ms. it does. Piggy, Miss Piggy, they the scientists view because they're all misogynist assholes anyway. They view <laughs> her personality traits as being um, unconducive to like interacting with the rest of the crew. Yeah, she's and undesirable. And, and they think that she's actually just going to be disruptive more than anything else. So they decide they're just going to kill her and eat her. <laughs> but then she escapes and kind of like works her way into the Jeffries tubes uh, yeah. throughout the well, entire ship. Well, and before and, she escapes, she clearly like seduces one of the people who is going to eat her. Yes. Inseminating her. And so she climbs up into the Jeffries tube to. Nice. Yes. <laughs> yes. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I like this. And she climbs so, up into the Jeffrey's t- tuber, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> rich with semen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, no. So, so she does wind up seducing like a member of the crew, and she winds up like having essentially like a stowaway family, and they keep on reproducing. So yeah. you have like a portion of the ship is in- essentially quote unquote infested with these pig human hybrids, it's- and that's what leads to then them basically becoming like a, a different faction once they land on New Texas that kind of breaks away immediately and starts fighting with the other um, uh, individuals that are on the generational ship look over resources and trying to like gain more resources. And that leads to the pig civil war, mm-hmm. which leads us to Hogtie, who is, as we cut out from the previous episode, I believe, a human pig hybrid from brave star who's wearing a um union conf- confederate was a union no no, yeah, no he was it was wearing, union. he, he was, was wearing he a was, union one because it's the west so the unions were bad, were union, bad yeah, union so, was the the aggressor and the evil one so he was wearing a union uniform uh uh so he was a pig human uh, like a boar like not even a pig but like a wild boar human hybrid in a union officer's uniform so it's basically so. cat from red dwarf yeah. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Yep. And a portion of the generational ship uh, created this thriving uh, pigman society. And I mean, I would even suspect that they infested all of the Jeffrey's tubes. Like, it might even be that they weren't like a gener- a portion of the ship. It, it was like th- they lived on the meta layer. They lived in the in between yeah. limbic spaces, and they had this whole culture and society just in the Jeffrey's tubes. All throughout the generational like, ship, like living in the shadows, being 
like secretive, not coming out and displaying themselves to anybody. You know? Yeah, and, and like, like living with like the the generational memory and the sense memory of these uh, the hard light hologram trainings. So the, yeah. See, this is so. From now on, this is what we've got to be telling everybody: is in order to prevent the pig civil war, everybody just needs to be much more accepting of Miss Piggy's personality traits, or just don't fuck animals, guys. No, nah, I mean that's unrealistic. <laughs> Adam, once again, I mean, <laughs> I feel like I've stepped back and and my eyes have adjusted, and I've been standing there in the mall, and and, and suddenly. It's a sailboat. I can see it. It's in three dimensions in front of me. Yeah. And uh, it, I, yeah. my whole life makes sense again. Yeah, what the hell, Adam? <laughs> I asked you if you were going to close, and you said no. So now I have to follow but... that. <laughs> what do you got, David? I actually got? went in a, the entirely different direction. But like this is also like after the destruction of Earth, but this is like the first wave of uh, alien demons who've landed on Earth and started spreading out and, and, and oh. populating the Earth Ooh. with monsters. And they're basically in the phase where there's uh, there's like still a bunch of human stuff around, and they're basically mocking the humans uh. by like, "Oh, I'm I'm from Star Wars." <laughs> <laughs> I like that too. Oh, I, I like, like the dark lot. tone of that. <laughs> and eventually, so, like after so all like, the prepackaged food is gone, and and they actually have to start fighting yeah. each other for resources, they get less snarky and more like uh, more feral and monstery. Less snarky, more sharky. Nice, nice. Uh, beautiful. I have nothing that I can add to this. It's it's all coming together, guys. Well, well, you're you're. You're been about Miss Piggy yep. breeding. Like, yep. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, yeah, I was just going off the fact that uh, they didn't. That they never specifically stated the year in the show. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I typ- typically, I do try to go along with like the year that the show came out. But I think that this is unique in that this is one of the. Well, I guess Wildcats. They didn't really state the year either. But like Brave Star, uh, Thundar. Broadcast. Battleship Emoto, Gem of the Holograms, like all of them actually stated what year it was. The Gem of so. the Holograms do that? Actually, they might not have. I think we just assumed it was 80s oh, just because yeah. it's so they didn't, 80s. They, yeah, they didn't need to say. It It was evident. Yeah. They, they showed us. It was a show-not-tell situation. They were like, this is the 80s. Deal with it. Here's some more 80s on your 80s. Eat that 80s, bitch. What's that smell? That's eighties. Yeah. Do you do you like your breakfast cereal? It's eighties. It's just eights and, and Cheerios. You hear that sound? That's the sound of the eighties. We took two Cheerios, we glued them together to make an eight, and then we left the other one and together that makes eighties. But sometimes it flips on its side, then it shows infinity and zero. And yeah, yeah. That just leads us down like a whole other mathematical slide. So Yeah, but those people, they're degenerates. We don't talk about them. They don't know how to read Cheerios. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's move on to Dirty 30. <laughs> Woohoo! Yes. Dirty 30. Oh, I'm going to earn. 
I, I feel like I kind of blew my dirty 30. A little yeah. Already. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, Been, like you say, Adam, ruined orgasms. It's a pretty good job ruined of orgasms. incorporating that as it came up. <laughs> mm-hmm. or, yeah, or you no. always blow your load before the dirty 30. We did a bad job of uh, making it last, yeah. <laughs> we should have edged ourselves out just a little bit longer. I will just restate what I said a little bit earlier. We all know from the adult version, the quote-unquote adult version of Muppets, that Gonzo is a famed chicken pervert. Um, his lovers are chickens. Don't, mm-hmm. don't, and don't if chicken I, shame Gonzo. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's it's perfectly fine. But but he's like Gonzo and Miss Piggy are like the only two Muppets that actually express their desires mm. in any real way. Like Ms. their Piggy carnal wants, desires. Miss Pig, yeah, their carnal desires. Miss Piggy wants uh, Kermit the Frog, but she also it like does warm up to anybody that shows her any any amount of affection. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I was under the impression that Gonzo was chasing after Miss Piggy. In the adult version. Am I wrong about that? You know, no clue. It sort of makes sense, but I don't think Gonzo is like his concrete. I don't think his desires are concrete enough that. I, I think he has a monogamous chicken named Camilla. Okay. So, okay. So he is in a monogamous relationship with a chicken. Okay. I, for, I don't know why I was, I was under the impression that he was chasing after uh, Miss Piggy for some reason. So. Uh, David. But anyway. We we see in this that Gonzo does have certain control issues based off of his mm-hmm. sparking the entire events that take place. Him being a very wearing the very buttoned up suit, trying to like trying to basically incite some sort of like chaotic environment, but specifically being the catalyst for that. Like he wants to be in control by creating the chaos and. Uh, yeah, we he's see, a surreal. He's a surrealist Machiavellian. Yes, but he's also a bit of a control freak. I think freak, not freak. He's a bit of a control freak. Control so I feel like freak. he's he's trying to like dominate the rest of the Muppet babies and force his will upon them. And like we even see it that you pointed it out, Matt, in the beginning. As soon as he kicks things off, he grabs Scooter's puppet and starts making out with it like hardcore. So we know that the Gonzo's feeling a little amorous at this point in time, regardless. So how do we know as that? Because he's he's kissing the puppet. He okay. Oh, puppet. sure. Going for it. Uh, and then later on in the cartoon, he's uh, preparing the meal, and the meal that he's preparing is clams. Uh, clams. So like obviously like going for the aphrodisiac type thing, <laughs> as he's like trying to set the mood a little bit more. He uh he gets everybody to like jump in line to be able to follow the flashing bananas that are whipping out the tips of their banana. Yeah, and, like waving it around as they're dancing around. Joseph A. Baker esque uh, Freudian boner stand-ins. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And he thinks it's all in good fun, even though it is causing uh, one of the only female characters in the show to be very uncomfortable. And instead of saying, like, oh, I'm so sorry, he just sort of jumps out and tries to get her to dance along with everything else that's going on. And she's, yeah, like, really not having it. It's so, workplace harassment. Exactly, exactly. Um, anyway, all I'm saying is Gonzo's a freak. 
horn, a horn dog freak. And I still stand by the fact that Miss Piggy is thirsty because I'm pretty sure she was like she she as soon as Bean mentioned honey to her, she completely dropped the facade, came out of the the imaginary place, came up to him and said, and it did not seem to to me to be in a very angry tone. She went up to him and said, "Did you just call me honey?" And at that point in time, she is, she has blush on throughout like the entire series, or throughout the entire show. And when she goes up and talks to him, the blush has gone away. So I feel like Miss Piggy actually is a bit of a reverse blusher. That when when she does like when she feels like slightly embarrassed that like somebody's paying attention to her, the blush goes away. Okay. And then comes back for everything else that's normal. So. Mm. I'm just saying, Dirty 30, Miss Piggy's Thirsty, Gonzo's a Freak, David, you got it from here, right? I, I think we went over a lot of it during the show. <laughs> so, I, <okay. laughs> I, I was going to mention one thing, um, and that is the the clear hints on a relationship, and, and kind of a sweet relationship to, between Kermit and Scooter, where they are uh, they clearly have like an, an intimate relationship where they have their own personal imagination space uh, that's interrupted by Gonzo the sock puppet and and they have this um, they have this relationship that's that's played out in, in fun scenarios where they are roommates um, uh, Kurt and Bernie uh, uh, another you know a uh, 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 couple yeah Kurt Russell and Bernie Sanders. I was going to say, you, you know, you're right. It's, uh, it's like Bert and Ernie if they were healthy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, even to the point where, like, in in the fantasy, they have two separate beds, but we re- it's revealed to us in the reality. They are, in fact, in the same bed, um, which is great. I'm all for uh, Kermit and, and Scooter. Like, Piggy's no good for Kermit. Scooter seems like a sweet guy, honestly. I mean, it's a little, like fearful but he seems like very loving and, and nice well he, he seems like he's very compassionate in that sense that like he yeah he empathizes with the characters around him instead of taking immediate offense to the things that the characters are saying or doing yeah so. and kermit is like the i mean like overall we know where this kermit is kind of this type a long-suffering but like high achieving a respected individual in his field. And I, I feel like Scooter would be like a really supportive, loving partner yeah. for him. Like a, um, like a good, a good um, complimentary personality. Yeah. yeah. Not that there needs to be these like traditional gender roles, but I feel like, you know, if, if Piggy and Kermit together, they would like destroy each other and burn each other out. Uh, cause they're constantly driving and conniving and, and, and Scooter, I see would be really supportive and, and loving of Kermit. Isn't this the uh, the uh, main plot point to the new Muppet Show that came out like 2014? I um I haven't watched any Muppet properties since um well I guess since last night when I watched this cartoon. But before that, <laughs> uh, like years and years and years, I haven't seen any Muppet stuff. I'm pretty sure that they tried to reboot the Muppet series, yep. and it starts off with uh, Kermit and Miss Piggy getting a divorce because they realized they were no good for each other. Uh, Miss Piggy, like, starting a new relationship with somebody famous. Can't remember who. Um, 
and uh, Kermit basically still being the uh, director of their show mm-hmm. and like still having to direct Miss Piggy. Fonzie tries to commit suicide because he realizes he's not funny. What it, this, yeah. sounds, this sounds like a hilarious show. It was, that was that was the whole point. It was actually like kind of dark and like relatively dramatic. And Sorry. that's that's the reason why it's not around anymore. At least I'm pretty sure it's not around anymore. Because it was very, very short lived due to the to the tone that they were trying to strike just from the beginning. But I feel like if they actually had like Kermit and Scooter in a relationship in that, it probably would have been a little bit more interesting at the very least. We could have at the very least explored a little bit more of that dynamic and how that kind of plays out in the stage setting while working with Miss Piggy. Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah. I'm, I'm shipping this. I'm, I ship Scooter Kermit. I think. Hey, David. What does ship mean? <laughs> Pretty sure I explained this on a previous episode, but uh, it's yeah, you philistine. <laughs> it's uh, based on the word relationship. So. It's, so Matt wants a relationship with Kermit and Scooter? No. Not, not Sh- Matt, Shut up, Matt. You're Matt's not part of this not conversation. part of that relationship, but he wants a relationship between Kermit and Scooter. So if I ship something, I want there to be a relationship between the two. Yeah, so I, I'm I, rooting I, for I, it. I, I ship chocolate and peanut butter. I ship... It's a good metaphor. No, that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sort of doesn't work at all, you fucking idiot. <laughs> I no, ship I mean, metaphor and simile. <laughs> well, uh, usually you ship something that is non-canonical, right? Like peanut butter, oh, chocolate. So, this, so clearly... this is like fan fiction. Yeah, very much. Yeah. Okay, so I ship shrimp and chocolate. Well, it's your choice. <laughs> Adam, not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's wrong. <laughs> that's bad and you should feel bad for suggesting it <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that but that is uh, in the DSM and you will go to prison hey David <laughs> what's a DSM I don't know <laughs> uh, uh, it's like DSL but it's faster okay, okay. Yeah. as long as it's not like BDSM but, even, you know, I haven't really given that a shot either, so I shouldn't really make judgments. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> okay. So we blew through the Dirty 30 already? Okay. So should we ever. Should we keep this show on the list? I'm, I'm saying it is ADD nonsense and... Um, <laughs> The only way we can find it is VHS transfers on YouTube. So I would like to vote it out. Yeah. I think you said what we're all thinking, David, or at least you said what I'm yeah. thinking. It's it's we found a lot to talk about here, but it is it's garbage. <laughs> and I yeah, I, yeah. I I want the annoying voices gone and I want the like lack of plot gone and and maybe we just it's also maybe we've come into the run really late and the like the the clever sweetness kind of, of what this show could be um it is just isn't there anymore but boy i don't want to stick around to find out yeah i, I think that i'm in the same boat as well um 
I, I did derive like a little bit more pleasure out of this than Spider-Man because like I, I enjoyed going back and seeing some of the things that I, I did like watching when I was a kid because I, I did watch this pretty pretty regularly when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, the, the, the graininess of the videos that we're watching is just horrific. Well, that's and, not really the show's fault, but... Yes. No, it's it's not the show's fault, but but like that, and also the fact that like the show is a one trick pony. It really is just, hey, look at these pop culture references from nineteen, from the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. Well, if they hadn't re released, so, they hadn't done that reboot of it, they might they might actually have it somewhere where you could find it. Uh, like oh yeah, like like, like on the streaming service and get. Yeah. Uh, um but yeah the fact is that they they did create like a 2018 version yeah. right yeah that's uh 3d or you know computer graphics and they and they butchered the intro song <laughs> yeah. Oh, <did> they? <laughs> yeah it was such a classic and now it's uh it's been destroyed <laughs> by crass commercialism oh you keep saying 3d i was thinking it was like like you had to watch it in 3d or no. something no it's it's Peter like Render. Yeah, it's it's, C- it's CGI. Except for it looks like there's still kids in it. There are human children in it. Yeah, it looks like there might be. It might be like a combination of CGI and puppets. Probably is what it is. Because it looks like the kids interacting with a puppet, and then it looks like later on there's actually CGI versions of the puppets that are dancing around. Whoa. Yeah. Wait, do we have this on the list? I don't. Why? <laughs> don't make us eliminate it twice <laughs> I don't think we're scraping the bottom of the barrel enough to like start adding the uh, the two year old reboots yeah nice nice um oh I feel good I feel good that this is gone from our from our future yeah yeah yeah, yeah. R.I.P. Muppet Babies should we do some sort of like ceremony whenever we vote a cartoon off the island? Mm. Like some sort of like some sort of like music drop and play like taps or something. Um, like we should bury them at sea. I think we yeah. need to watch yeah. a show with a funeral scene first. So then we can use that drop. Coming closest gotcha, to gotcha. that, doctor's gonna run out of bandages. <laughs> <laughs> Nice, nice. Solid. All right, are we going to roll up the next uh, one? Yeah, let's see what we're, what we're getting next uh, time. I'm ready to, I'm ready to roll those bones. And, and also, did we decide what's going to happen with Silverhawks? Because yeah, it sounds like we're going to let Mike out of having to summarize it. And I, I guess, Derek really wanted to. I guess we could release Mike from his indentured servitude. So it would be, so it'd be Derek, you think? Um, or do, you, or do I, we want to re-roll that? I, I think we should let Derek, like, take take it instead of being like, it's now yours. Okay. Does that, gotcha. does that yeah, seem fair? Yeah. If Derek just starts talking during the recording, I'm not going to stop him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I kind of like the idea of some sort of, like, barter system, though, where we can... Like I, was, I was talking about... When, when Mike said he didn't want to do it, it'd be like, okay, well, what are you going to give Derek to do it? You know? 
what are you gonna let him do? Gonna give him like your anime pillow, <laughs> your your Vocaloid fanfic. Like what's? Mm. I can't think of anything good for that though. That wouldn't be like horrible in real life and like not actually that funny on a podcast. <laughs> like that that uh, Mike needs to pay D- Derek off to do his work. Yeah, something like that. Or like if if Derek like really wanted it, he has to like bribe Mike in order mm-hmm. to get Silverhawks. And ideally, it would be like, oh, we have these shows queued up. I'm gonna change. I'm gonna. Um, what do you call it? I'm going to uh, trade whatever that horrible dog mystery <laughs> show I was supposed to do with uh, uh, with Derek in order to try to get Silverhawks away from him. Or... I kind of like the idea of trading. I like that a lot better than like turning this into a, a jackass style uh, of um, prank like free for all yeah prankathon in which like uh, uh mike has to poop in Derek's mouth uh, <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> i understand what you're getting at but yeah i wasn't thinking something that extreme <laughs> i was thinking more along the lines of like like we had some sort of like in podcast currency of some type that we would wind up trading off with each other or like <laughs> you want like a like, second order of like <laughs> no yeah, <laughs> second yeah. order of, of, of or, monetization or faux or like, monetization yeah or 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 even something like okay uh like we use, always used to joke around about uh mike you don't want to do silver hawks then you gotta you know, get Derek a steak dinner in order to sweet the deal for him to do the work for you i think trading shows is more fun than than like again like a jackass style uh uh, indentured servitude or something okay well i'm seeing on our list it's populating magically right now apparently we rolled up where on the earth is carmen san diego yes we did we already had that so that's no that's next on the list oh we we just rolled that up that's being added to the queue. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? It says we're um, on Earth. <clears throat> we're on, we're Earth. on Earth. Which I think isn't so. Isn't I where in time? There's a where in time. There's where in the world. There is all kinds of different uh, subject matters that they tried to teach us via Carmen San Diego. So it looks like we're doing episode, episode number, two number two of Carmen San Diego. Episode number two. I'm excited. We've Excellent. never we've never had a, uh, I mean, this is also episode number two is kind of where the rubber hits the road for cartoons because usually like they'll make the pilot, um, and do the um, intro animation, and episode two is when like you've been greenlit, so you need to deliver on this. So I'm yeah, excited. Yeah. So the premise should already be in place. We just have to get to the okay. action. All yeah. right, and who's gonna get it? Big money, no whims. Okay, well it's, uh, well since so it's just. Uh, you and Adam here, and you've already got a show lined up. To, it's going to be a more than 50% chance for Adam. <laughs> <laughs> and the role is... Adam. Mike. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. Once nice, again, nice. probability does not let us down. Yep. Um, yeah. All right. Well... Uh, you're going to like it, Adam. I'm going to... Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to trade Mike for Silverhawks. 
there's no way he's going to trade Ooh. for. And I'm just going to keep trading down. He, he might take where and it's Carmen San Diego. He might, yeah. He might, he might take it. Well, where on earth is Carmen San Diego? There is a woman in it. At least he knows that okay. much. So, if you manage to get Silverhawks, Adam, I might be persuaded to let you have Captain in and the game master for Silverhawks. Maybe, <laughs> but you might have to sweeten the deal if you know what I mean. I I, I like your bluff there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no deal. Absolutely no deal. Because I've watched the episode in preparation, and I think you are missing a gem. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm not. All right. So here's the, here's the issue. Is this going to be is this going to be horribly unfair to Derek? Because Derek did say that he wanted to do Silverhawks, but he has nothing to trade for it because the dice have spoken and he has yet to get any currency to play in this game. So if Derek wants it, like I'm honestly like, let him have it. Cause we know Mike's not going to do it. Or if he yeah. does do it, he'll do such a shitty job that we'll have to do it anyway. <laughs> and not upload silver hugs. What, what if we actually just did that? We just said, okay, Mike, you are doing the summary. Derek, you're preparing the summary. <laughs> yeah. Derek, you talk, and then Mike, you just be like, yeah, yeah, what he said. <laughs> well, Mike said that uh, he can only really do it if he has a script, but he doesn't have the wherewithal to write his own script. <laughs> so we just have to feed him all the content and the jokes and the things he has to do and then coax him to do it, and then we'll have uh, we'll have the bottled magic. Well, I'd, I'd like to thank you for uh, doing a lot of the summary on this episode. Oh, you did it, man. Uh, you, you clearly had more detailed notes than I did. Well, and you also were, were there to kind of keep us all on track, so. Uh, I guess that's my job, I guess. All right, do we have any other wrap-up, guys? I've been David Marks. I've been Matt, and I ship you, dear listener. I am Adam. That's it. I'm just Adam. We know. Yeah. I'm a simple man. A few words. Except for I think I do talk the most out of all of us. Yeah, yeah. You seem to be yeah. a simple man with many, many words. I'm a simple man with, with many small words. Yes. Very short ones. Yeah. I don't go You're, for the Tim Dollar words like banality or uh, yeah. onomatopoeia. Yeah. You're a loquacious <laughs> idiot. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, I love you guys. Love you too, Machu. <laughs> Amazingly Terrible is produced by David Marks. Music by The Fish Who Saved the Planet. I really mean to Paul Rubens in this episode, and I want to issue a formal apology. Uh, David, please put this in addendum, but I just want to say, Paul Rubens, if you ever want to come on our show, just, re uh -huh. just remember, 
I will say all this shit to your face, motherfucker. You come. It's on. You you come. <laughs> Anywhere you want to. Yeah, all you, over the show. You shoot that skeet, motherfucker. 